0: Hello, and welcome to The Violet Vulture. My name is Emmy, and I'm your host. I'm a multi passionate, multi disciplinary storyteller, I'm a death doula witch, and an all around too much person. If I could distill down into a core three about what I'm all about here on the internet and IRL, it's storytelling for self exploration and liberation, alternative wellness for the misfits and morbidly inclined among us, and honoring our shadows. But to go a little bit deeper, we cover discussing mortality, celebrating spirituality, archetypes and artists, unpacking what horror can teach us about the human experience and our collective fears, exploring how we could better integrate those shadows, and one of my favorite topics, changing our damn mind, doing something different. A couple of announcements here. If you want to keep the conversation going, you can keep up with me on Instagram at lasoyemmy.com my website, soyme.com, or you can add it to my newsletter. You can also send me voice messages through my podcast distributor, Anchor. So lots of different ways to keep in touch. I hope to keep seeing you on the internet. A final note here before we get cracking. As far as what's to come in December, we'll have a virtual event and I'll be opening up slots for another themed tarot reading. That's all you're going to get for now. Enjoy that not so subtle teaser. In pod news, we just wrapped up our mini series on dialogues with spiritual leaders. It ended up being a ton of fun to get exploratory and also get into who these folks are as people. A lot of that informs their work, but also people aren't just their work. So it was refreshing to go deep, but also to talk about what makes them happy. Today's episode is kind of on par with that, but it does still deviate a little bit It's Thanksgiving week, so I wanted to offer something fun. Maybe you're driving to your family's or your in-laws. This could provide a little bit of a palate cleanser or distraction, Even if you're tuning in under other circumstances, what have you, two writers kicking out about horror is for always. So without further ado, let's get on to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have a super special guest on today. Her name is Vanessa Lima. I recently found her through the magic of his Instagram because sometimes it's still good for some things, on occasion, <laughs> <laughs> mostly finding new collaborators. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for coming on, Vanessa. And please uh, let the people know a little bit about who you are.
1: Ah well, thank you so much for having me on uh, your podcast. I feel like I was at like my wits end with Instagram, and then I found you, and I was like, "Who is this human? I need to know them." And they seem dope, so I'm glad that I found you right before I decided to sign off. Um, <laughs> but my name is Vanessa. I am a double Aquarius Gemini rising, which makes me an alien. That's what I like to consider myself. Um, I'm a copy and content writer for Conscious Creators. I am a pit bull mama. I currently reside in the weird-ass state of Texas, but I was born and raised a Jersey girl, so I have that sass and sarcasm built into me. And I am also a self-proclaimed horror aficionado, which I think A lot of people don't know that about me unless they actually really know me. Um, I would much rather watch a horror film or like a creepy indie film over any type of other film any day. And I feel like that's how you and I first uh, connected.
0: Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I the all of the air you have going on makes a lot of sense but it also i feel like that translates so beautifully to like your creativity and that energy you bring yeah i i do remember our first exchange where you you said like you have your top 5 horror films in your bio that's so cool and i'm like yeah i'm professionally spooky how about that
1: <laughs> i love that i saw that dude and i was like that is so different from the usual, like, what's your favorite coffee order? And like the blah, blah, blah. Like as a copywriter, you know, those things are important to show off your personality, to show off the human behind the brand or the business. And when I saw that, I was just like, oh, I need to meet this human. I need to talk to this human.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I I love seeing where there's overlap in what people enjoy in horror and where we begin to diverge. Mm -hmm. And I that's something that I've loved about the genre is that you can go so deep with it. And unless it's like legitimately like that's a bad idea, you really can go either either way. And I'm like, I can see both sides of it, and that's really cool. Yeah. So I yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um I I love that you describe yourself as an alien. Uh my first question. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I I normally I kind of leave it so open, but because we're talking about horror, I'm like, okay, I going to keep these nuggets ready. Do you have a favorite science fiction alien horror film?
1: So I don't know if I would consider it a film, but uh, I what my first favorite TV show ever was The X-Files. And I don't know what gets more the truth is out there in aliens than the X-Files does. Um I have like vivid memories from my childhood of watching the X-Files and being so intrigued by the whole intrigued but also scared of the whole alien aspect around it and I loved how I, how throughout the whole series that was like the foundation at which it was built on but it also involved so many other whether you want to call it like pieces of horror or the unknown or the unseen, but it always came down to the aliens and who they were and what they were compared to what we are here on earth. And I just think there's there's just, there's just so much out there that we don't know and what we assume to be as aliens. And the reason why I say like I identify with that is because I remember I read an article one time that was like, and it literally, I think the title was Aquarius is the alien of the Zodiac. And I was like, oh my God, I feel seen. Like this is it. This is the perfect way to describe an Aquarius. Like you're kind of, you're grounded, but you're also kind of airy and your mind is so much bigger than everything that is here. And it's constantly going, you have these big ideas, but you're also down to earth at the same time. So that's, I think the, the, Biggest reason why I would say that I consider myself an alien, but yeah, dude, the X-Files has my heart. It always will. Dana Scully, I think, was my first like inspiration of seeing a strong-ass woman and being like, she's so cool because she was such a different character from any other woman, a little girl saw on TV. You know, we were used to seeing like princesses and shit like that that we now know are just so unrealistic. And then you have this badass doctor who doesn't believe in what's going on but also just needs the facts all the time. And the older I get, and I actually wrote a, a piece about this on my Substack, like the more – the older I get, the more I realize why Scully was so – um What's the word? I'm totally blacking out on the word skeptical about everything that was going on.
0: Yeah. And what I think is brilliant too about that character as well is that I feel like there in the 90s, it was so polarizing. Mm -hmm. Either you had Princess, who was very like compliant, only like rebellious, but in a very particular way, where like you're rebelling in the way that I will accept of you.
1: Yes yeah yeah, yeah, totally yeah,
0: versus like the other side of it, like, oh, wild child or like the craft, like Nancy kind of thing. So like two really big extremes, and then I feel like she wasn't like in the middle in like an apathetic way, but like very firm in who she was, and totally the the thing that I love about a skeptic is that they they have. They're very honest about what will help them understand this other perspective. Like, I feel like there's a skeptic and then there's like willfully, like, I will never believe anything. Totally. (laughs) But yeah, I always love that. It's like, if you just give it to me in these ways, then like, yeah, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. And Mm -hmm. yeah, leave leave it at (laughs) that.
1: Yeah, I feel like she she did want to believe, like she did want to believe it, but she needed the reasons and she needed the facts because she was a scientist and a doctor. And, you know, I think it's our brain just work in different ways. Like she needed to know why t- in order to believe. So, yes, Agent Dana Scully for president.
0: <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Yeah, it, it and that reminds me too. I I read your Substack on you being a horror fan, which I feel like I I love your writing voice so much, and it's very interesting to me to see again like how we overlap where we diverge in terms of interest. Would you be comfortable sharing a bit about kind of your horror beginnings, like what got you into it, watching it as a kid?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And thank you. Thank you for supporting and reading and actually liking what you read of mine. I appreciate that. Um, When I think about where my draw to horror comes from, I remember growing up, like my dad, the movies that he watched were always either horror or Sci-fi or true crime or something like that. That's what I feel like was always in the background on TV. Or I I still say like, I think my dad is literally the only person that still gets DVDs from Netflix. Like he gets them delivered to the house. And we still, I'm 34 years old and the conversations my father and I have are always like, what movie are you watching? Have you seen this? Like there's so much, our love language revolves around movies. And that's how we kind of express our relationship to each other. And I feel like my sister and I, because my sister's also like a super big horror person too. Like we call ourselves the spooky sisters because we're always talking about horror whatever it is. And we were talking about like where we feel like our relationship started. And it definitely comes down to my dad and what he watched and what we had – On growing up. And you know, there was there were some things that I think about now that I was probably like, I probably shouldn't have watched that at such a young age. Like, I don't know if watching the X-Files at the age of like seven was the best idea, but I'm glad I did. I wouldn't trade that for anything. So I think it really started at a young age. That comfort of it, like that comfort of home, that's on in the background. So Now when I need some type of comfort film, I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna watch The Sixth Sense or I'm gonna watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm not gonna watch like the Hallmark Channel. That's not gonna be my go-to. And even other movies that are like, I'm a (laughs) I'm a huge twilight nerd. Like that that's not considered horror, but it's about vampires and werewolves and made up shit. Like it's not about anything realistic. So I think. Yeah, my relationship with horror just started from such a young age and that comfort behind it. And then throughout my life, and this is something that I realized like as I was writing that piece on horror, I went through a – I had cancer as a child. So I was 12 when I had cancer. And during that time, you know, I was home from school a lot. I I went through chemo. I went through radiation. I did all of that. When I was home, I was watching – The X Files. I was watching whatever was on TV that was like NYPD blue or something that had to, that wasn't light and fluffy. It was always kind of like the dark side. So now I'm still naturally pulled to that. And I had this realization about the movie The Sixth Sense. I remember watching it when I was in the hospital the first time. And that was when, that was in the 90s when it first came out and it was the biggest like, oh my God, the twist to this movie is insane. Like, you know, I felt like it was like a a new genre of horror. It was M. Night Shyamalan's maybe his first film that he came out with or his first like really popular film. And watching that in the hospital at that time, I didn't realize that so much later in my life I'd still find that connection of comfort to the trauma that I was going through, that my, what my body was going through. I was going through the same parallel as this little boy was, right? Like he had something different about him that he didn't want to talk about that was scaring him to, you know, for lack of better terms, scaring him to death. And I was kind of going through the same thing, but in a totally different way. I was – a young girl who didn't who was going through something different, who never wanted to talk about it because it made me different. And I was in the fight for my life without really knowing it. And when I wrote that piece, I had that connection. And it was it was a healing moment to have that, to be like, oh my God, it makes sense. I'm able to put this together now. Um, and I say that's the beginning of it because that came at such a young age. I was twelve years old when that happened. Then that's seems like a lifetime away. Thank you so much for sharing that
0: and I I can definitely empathize with like there's a healing aspect to having your experience reflected back to you in horror in a way that I think people often discount mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's that mindset that like if you're going through hardship as a kid or even as an adult you need to keep it like light and fluffy and because we are so averse to talking about taboo things mm-hmm. Maybe a TV show or a movie is like the only venue, the only avenue for exploring that difficult feeling Mm -hmm. a feeling like I'm going through something that no one gets or they could tell that I'm different or having a moment. Like you you can accept it from like a cat, like the staring off into the corner, like, oh, they see a ghost. But if a kid does it, they're like, what the hell is that kid doing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or like, what's wrong with that kid?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, just like being very aware, even as a kid, um, also having been a chronically ill kid that you're like, you might be okay, but you also might not be okay. Right. Right. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that, that also changes you, which makes you oddly appreciative. Like it's very cathartic to watch horror movies for that reason for me.
1: Yeah. No, I I definitely feel you on that too. And I don't don't know how you felt, but I remember when I was younger, like not realizing the immensity of what I was going through. Like I knew what it was, but I didn't realize that how it would affect me throughout my whole life in so many different ways from like the physical way to the emotional way to the mental way. And when you're a kid, all you want to do is just like fit in and have fun and live your kid life. You don't want to worry about like – going to chemo and losing your hair and not being able to play in the softball game that night. like You don't want to worry about those things. And also when those things are going on, they seem like the only thing that matter. You're not thinking about when you're 30 years old and it all starts to hit you and you start to realize what you went through as a child and how you repressed everything up until that time and how it's going to affect you. And I, you know, I think one of the most – to bring it back to like horror, I think one of the most fascinating things about the whole horror genre in general is just like our emotions are so wide and there's no way to say how to handle your emotions or what to do with your emotions, like – So is the genre of horror. It's so wide. It's so broad. It's so vast. So, so many components can fall under that. Just like having emotions as a kid. It's so broad. It's so wide. And so much could fall into that.
0: Yeah. And I think what horror is so good about too that I feel like would also make it enticing for a younger person to watch and see like, oh, I feel like that is like, that you turn up the volume on those emotions. So Mm -hmm. it isn't just like being a little bit uneasy. It's about being like deeply afraid yeah. or like in Jordan Peele is so good at this. Like I am so afraid of this person, but also they crack this joke that I'm like, what a dad joke to make. Yep. (laughs) And it just, it hits you deep and you're like, yeah, that this feels like, so this feels so real for a different reason now. Yeah. And it makes it more engaging. You, you feel something the whole way through mm-hmm. in a way that I I may have like a flatter experience with like a comedy, and and to that you know we we had a back and forth around like marketing and horror, yeah, and that I've been wanting to talk about this for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> just because I in a comedy you're able to show. A certain number of things, and you have a good idea of what you're getting into. If it's like an Adam Sandler movie, you're going to expect Adam Sandler isms, <laughs> or whatever uh-huh. he does. I, I think the other layer within horror is that so much of it is not giving up the ghost immediately. You're you have a very finite container for sharing the things that. Will help people get an idea of what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But you you can't give it away everything because that final like reveal is so meaningful. So with that, I would love to get into what you felt about Barbarian. Yeah. Like beginning, middle, and end, like how you felt about the trailers leading up to it and also like your experience watching it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to think about like when we were when we were talking about that, thinking about how horror movies are marketed, right? Because there could be like going back to comedy, the whole movie can be funny. Like you can be laughing your ass off the whole movie, right? So there's so much to work with. I feel like with horror, you maybe have five to seven times where you're like, <gasps> you know, where it's like that scare tactic. And how much of that are you going to be able to show? Like – you know, I, I think now a lot of production companies will do, like, the viewer reactions and maybe just, like, a tiny little snippet of something that you might see, like the scary creature or whatever it is. But there's such a – like, I'd be really interested to know the, the science behind it and, like, how they they choose what they're going to show. But anyway, going to Barbarian. I, like, still don't know how I feel about that film. I liked – I really liked the first act the first act with um, Scars, Bill Skarsgård and um, the woman, i her name is totally escaping me right now. But I think that was done really well because there was that ominous, like you don't know what's gonna happen, something is creepy, there's a weird energy here, but you still don't know what it is. I know, I. spoiler alert, we're gonna go into spoiler alerts with this. Um- <laughs> I know I definitely went into that film thinking that it was going to be some type of almost um, like the movie The Strangers or the movie like Funny Games style horror where he ended up doing something or she even ended up doing something, which I think also could have been a brilliant twist. And I said this to you, like if she ended up being the barbarian, that that's like a whole nother discussion. So I feel like I really liked Act One. Act two was a little more enticing, but I felt myself during act two just getting so sick of the like the the trope of the woman just like trying to save everyone all the time and putting herself in not the smartest situations. And I don't want to sound like I'm blaming her for it, but just sometimes I would just be like, why are you going back in there? Like that is dumb. Don't do that. But at the same time, my brain is like, hey, this is the movie. If she didn't go back in, it wouldn't be good. And then the third act I feel like was just kind of all over the place that I was like, what is happening? Is this the same movie? Am I watching the same movie that I started watching? In saying that, the more I think about it, the more I like it because of how I think the marketing played you in a totally different way. Like, they did not – I had no idea it was going to end up the way that it did and that you're going to have, like, this hideous creature as a part of it and there is going to be the whole aspect of, like, motherhood involved in it. Zero idea. I think Justin Long did such – and we talked about this too. Justin Long does such a good job at playing, like, a douchey character but one that you still kind of root for. Like, even when he went to the house, I was like – Oh God, I hope he doesn't die. Even though he's an idiot and he's a douchebag, like I want him to get away. And I don't know if it's just him, like I feel like he's actually a really cool person, or if it's his characters or whatever. But throughout the whole film, I definitely felt a bunch of different emotions. In the sense that, like, I personally like the first act because of that ominous, kind of on the edge energy that you don't know what you're gonna. What what's going to happen. So you're like nervous, hairs on the back of your neck are kind of standing up. And that second act where you have more intrigue, like, oh, my God, I, I want to know more. And then that third act, I kind I feel like it kind of fell flat. And that's when it lost me. Like that at that point, I could see myself. I was like scrolling through my phone. I was like already looking up articles about it, like trying to read into it. Um, I personally also was – I kind of wish they went more into the background of the house. And I don't know if it if that's because I love background stories. Like, I think when you get the background story of characters, it makes things so much more impactful on the present end. But when they did, like, the one scene of the guy, right, that it was his house, like, I wanted to know more about that. I wanted to know more of his story. Like, what made him into – the barbarian that he was, like, how did that happen? So I know that was, like, very long-winded. I guess I would give it, like, a B-minus.
0: <laughs> Not bad, though, for – Honestly, like, like I I can appreciate everything that you laid out for many reasons. Like, there are a lot of, like, really tired tropes within horror, especially – the ones that are tied to like women of color mm-hmm. like um the actress's name i pulled it up because it yeah. it bothers me when i can't remember anything yes. uh, georgina campbell did a brilliant job uh, what i love about this movie is that everybody was fully committed to how bad shit it was
1: <laughs> uh-huh yes that is very true
0: so i i love that for everybody um i i feel like this could have almost worked best as like a mini-series for how mm. much they packed in mm. that felt related, but different. Like if, if they had like the watcher budget, like Netflix money to make yeah. this, I feel like there could have been all of the room to have made it really like more grounded because
1: yes. You
0: know, yeah. But it's very jarring. Ultimately mm-hmm. like the tone is a little bit weird. I, I don't feel dissimilar. It's not nearly as bad. As the monsters by Rob Zombie, but
1: <laughs> like, I did not watch that one, so
0: <laughs> it, it's good for what it is. Yeah, it is a Rob Zombie movie that is PG. That's all. That's it, it, you. It, they he delivered is what, yeah. is what I'll say. Um, <laughs> if you set the bar low, I I, I thought I thought it was perfectly enjoyable, but yeah. similar sort of issue where tone felt weird. Okay, now we're laughing okay, it's kind of campy and slapstick. I'm like, I don't think you understand camp. Um, what I felt about Barbarian having had more time to process is that it really does feel like a horror movie done by someone used to sketch comedy mm-hmm. who is used to very, like, tight storytelling. It, If I were to liken it to, like, writing, it's like you went from flash fiction to making, like, a Stephen King novel, like, really mm-hmm.
1: thick. Yep. Yep, I could definitely agree with that. And I, I, especially the last, the the last scene, like the last act seemed very like quick put together. Like, let's get this done. Let's wrap this up. Let's just make it what it is. But yeah, and I think the director, he, did, he does mainly do sketch comedy, right? So that makes sense that it was what it was.
0: Yeah, I, I looked it up after, because again, I I go in blind. I don't want to touch Wikipedia until like well yeah. after I've seen something. But yeah, the director did the whitest kids you know, which is like okay, the volume turned up on everything.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes more sense knowing that now.
0: Yeah. So, in in that way, I I think coming out of it too and this is what queued up like a bigger part of our discussion is that something that we've all noted about Barbarian is that we cannot talk about it really without giving away a core piece of it, which on one hand I think worked for people seeing it at all. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I think we end up kind of in our position where we're like, what the hell are we watching?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But not in a good way at all times, like sometimes in a good way, but Eh. i i guess i'm curious to hear if like anything else comes to mind for you around like not necessarily catfish but like because it's so hard to market a horror film without spoiling so much of it yeah like like the mcu i think gets away with it by like literally like there are just like lies baked into the marketing where it's like you watch it and you're like that scene never happened
1: (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well it's it's interesting because you know, I think about barbarian and I remember seeing things like the scariest film of the year and, you know, uh like this what like so many jumps and whatever and stuff like that. And to me, I think about like scary is relative, right? Like we all have a different meter for what's scary and what's terrifying and what's going to be the scariest of the year. Like for me personally, scariest things of the year were like the movie Hereditary scared the hell out of me and like still scares the hell out of me, right? But then also like The Exorcist scares the shit out of me, which are two com- like different genres of horror. Maybe not completely, but they're different. So for you know, promoters and marketers to say, like, the scariest movie of the year. Part of me is like, what gives you the right to tell me that (laughs) this is going to be the scariest film that I see all year? Um, And then someone could look at the movie. Like, I feel like I recently watched the movie Nope. Like, and I think we talked about this a little bit. I watched that movie and I was like, this was fucking brilliant. Like, Jordan Peele just does such a good job of taking these massive concepts, breaking them down without watering them down and just making them so clever. Like everything he did in that movie, that's a perfect example of like, I had no idea what I was going into when I watched that movie and I came out of it and was like, that was one of the best movies I've ever seen. Was I scared? Not really, but it was brilliant the way that he did things. And that was another one where I feel like the headlines were like, scariest movie of the year, like chills down to your spine, blah, 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 which when you think about the main concept of it, yes, that's terrifying thinking of like this entity that is taking over things that you don't know what it is, but it's also an animal. Like that was so brilliant to think about how you pull those two things together. And I don't know what it is exactly why I feel like that was marketed so much better than Barbarian. But they both kind of did the same thing. Scariest movie of the year, bone chilling, like so-and-so is back, whatever. Um, and I don't – I guess it. a lot of it has to do with the actual writing and how the script is put together and the actors and actresses in it. Like, you know, all of the actors and actresses in Nope were so on point with their characters and who they ret- portrayed and like how they were um, – And I don't even know where I was getting at that. But I – there's just an – I don't know. Maybe it is an energy around it. Maybe there is an energy around how things are marketed and how they're portrayed out. Like, you know when you go into a Jordan Peele film, there's going to be a twist. There's going to be something unexpected and you're going to come out of it and be like, holy shit, I can't believe that happened. When you go into a film like Barbarian and maybe it's because it's like a uh, rookie director – and who knows who did their marketing, where you don't really know that's going to happen unless it's marketed as the twist is crazy, like unless you're told beforehand. And I feel like at the end of Barbarian, I was like, what was the twist? Like, I don't get what the twist was.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think um, going back to your original comment around the characterization within Barbarian is that there was a commitment to like, who is the barbarian? And what is what it does what it means to be barbarian or barbaric. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I mentioned to you that my husband told me and I'm like, (laughs) and now I feel gross eating cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That uh, barbarian literally meant like milk drinker because it was Uh like the it was barbaric, like, yeah, yeah, so I was just completely baffled, and I'm like, okay, like you had some layers. I like that. I I can appreciate deeper symbolism within naming and all that, because there is like a lot of milking sort of imagery. Yes. Yep. Oh, that is very uncomfortable. I I feel mm-hmm. repulsed even saying it. I I think that is effective <laughs> though. Is that like it literally felt gross to watch this movie sometimes?
1: Yeah. I feel like that scene was with a scene with the both of them in the cage. That was probably the hardest scene to watch out of the whole movie. Because of that, this is so gross. Like this is so – because of all of the things that are happening around it. But then when you think about it, and if you want to get layered, isn't that the first thing we know to do as a human? You know, that's like the first thing when we're born – we need to get nutrients and where does that nutrients come from so that's like even more layered i feel like my mind could go down a rabbit hole if we did this but
0: <laughs> yeah but but to your to your point about how everybody felt like they had intention and grounding and they knew who they were in the story of nope mm-hmm. i feel like because there was that commitment to like i need to flip everything on its head right now that she will eventually like fight back that she that he AJ, Justin Long's character, that he eventually will really show his whole ass.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. He's doing
0: it the whole time, but like then he really, really does it. Uh, that we all expect because like the guy is perfectly fine, I'm sure, but Bill Skarsgard like has that creepy aura, but he ends up being a perfectly fine dude.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Like, He's the one that got, like, the shit end of everything. In, the first one to get the shit end of everything. <laughs>
0: right, right. Like, I, I feel like, and this goes beyond marketing and more within st- the storytelling of horror. Like, if you, uh, like, there's doing too much. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: I feel like people may disagree, but I personally would either like archetypal characters that follow more of their journey and then you mm-hmm. twist along the way or the story you expected to push one way and then you flip how they ultimately are playing out in some way. Yes.
1: Yes, I completely agree with that. I I think they, were, they just tried to squeeze too much in too short of a film, which goes back to you making a great point about how it would have been a really good miniseries if they were able to... Do that, like think about uh, what was it? The Haunting on Hill House that Netflix did a few years ago, which was another brilliant show. It was a brilliant miniseries because of how much time they took with every layer, with every chapter, with every character. Like I found myself become so invested in all of those characters and just the story itself. And besides, like how it was shot and you know, the the family dynamic and the background. Like, they did such a good job with taking that time to build the suspense of it all, and it was terrifying. That show gave me nightmares, which, like, it's very hard, I feel like, for a show especially to give me nightmares, but that show was one of those I would wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, my God, is the bent-neck lady in my room? Like,
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. I... I totally agree. It was so beautifully done. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to like making emotion bigger in horror, I think it was so beautifully about grief.
1: Yes. And, horror mm-hmm.
0: and following how people ultimately react to it. That's actually why um I I asked this on Instagram because I realized after going really hard in October that people may not realize I like other movies. Yeah. <laughs> So, I, I asked on a whim, like, hey, how many of you know my other favorite director that doesn't do horror? But once you, if you guess it right or even get it wrong, you'll go, oh, it makes sense. And it's Wes Anderson. And has uh-huh. like big, big color, big feeling, also about grief. So, yeah. I, I love kind of weaving together like those through lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. The other one that I think marketing ended up hurting because now we do appreciate it for what it is, is The Witch, because mm-hmm. I think A24 was still kind of new for a handful of us within the genre. Totally. Like, we knew mm-hmm. we liked Hereditary. We we know that. But like I feel like it was still easier to get a sense of what Hereditary was about versus the issue that Robert Eggers has run into several times like i think every movie he's done
1: yeah you
0: think it's going to be one thing and then you're like oh not bad but i didn't know what to expect
1: yeah yeah well it's also like i feel like if you're going to title a movie something as obvious as that is where are you going to go from there right like i i thought that was a great movie um it was another one where i was like i wasn't scared but the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, that was creepy. Like, that was really creepy how it was done. Um, but I don't need to uh, To be honest, I don't even remember the marketing of it. I think I remember like a few little snippets. But yeah, I feel like A24 was still like a baby production, at least to the public. Like, a lot of people didn't know about it. And I think that was one of their first like public films that they came out with. Um, but yeah, like how much when you have. A title like that I feel like your brain either goes to the full-blown occult satanic panic this is how it's going to be or it's going to be like the Salem witch trials and the origination of witchcraft and the dark side so the witch was like I also feel like that came out when witchcraft started to or I guess witchcraft are like witch life started to become a little more acceptable in the in mainstream in public, and people didn't just automatically assume if you were a witch, then you hailed Satan. Like <laughs> so it was one of the first ones that actually put maybe opened the door a little bit to for witches to come out of the broom closet in a weird way.
0: No, I I agree. I learned recently in preparation for another episode that uh-huh. the aesthetic of like witchy stuff without being a practic- practitioner is called mysticore.
1: Wow, mysticore it actually is a name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I which I love. I love that every like micro trend will have its own name eventually. Yeah, I, yeah, like w- well earned in my opinion. Um no, I, I agree. That does kind of line up with when I noticed people kind of buying tarot decks, like where people were interested in like reading tarot publicly. And yeah, yeah similar thing. Like I was very closeted with my practice for a very long time. Uh-huh. And then The Witch came out. A few other things I think also kind of helped move along. Like people made feel a certain way about Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix, but again that opened the door for other people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was actually I was literally just thinking about that as you were saying it. And it's also interesting to think about like the original Sabrina the Teenage Witch, right? Like I recently uh put that on in the background and that came out in the 90s, so what? We were probably like teenagers when that came out. To think about something titled Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I wonder now looking back like how hard did they have to work to be able to put a show like that on public TV where people could watch it. And, you know, the it was obviously a lot lighter. It was light. It wasn't about dark witchcraft or anything like that, but it still had the actual title of witch in it. And at that time, I don't think it was as acceptable as it is now. Um, but then you think about over like the – the new series, and I've only seen like one episode of the new one, I'll be completely transparent about that, how much aesthetically like darker it is. Not even the content of it, but like the actual aesthetics, how it was shot, the the lighting, the characters, the um wardrobe. It's so much darker than the original one.
0: Yeah. And- What I think is interesting, too, about what kind of helped them come forward, both the OG with Melissa Joan Hart and then Kieran and Shipka, is that they both began as comic books Mm -hmm. because Archie Comics, like Sabrina Spellman, was like a little character. But I think what helped that become acceptable, I think, was like Teen Witch, like that movie in the 80s. So like it was like, you could be sassy, and if you're blonde, it's okay to be a witch. (laughs) Like Yeah, yeah. That kind of edginess I think was played up a lot but then Robert Aguirre-Sacasa I believe his name is like he like Riverdale being Riverdale like that it blew up yeah (laughs) I think that ultimately helped to move it along that way otherwise like I don't know if chaos would have been a thing on Netflix otherwise
1: yeah yeah definitely is he is that the same director who did the new um Sabrina series? Uh yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and that's why they they may feel they're still different, but like tonally similar. Like yeah. edgy, edgy Riverdale, edgy, etc. Like the okay. dark palette.
1: Yeah, the dark palette. The dark, the mysticore aesthetic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, something that I I'd love to get your reflection on. Again, as like we are both storytelling writers, people that would love for people, like there should be better messaging overall, I think. If you could rewrite the, the marketing, the writing around a horror film that you think hasn't gotten its due because like we just did it dirty, what would you want to like revisit so then maybe it could have had a better life when it was originally out?
1: Oh my. Oh, this is a hard one. I'm trying to think of a movie that I was like, this was so good that other people maybe didn't even see or think about. Um Damn, this is a hard one. I just keep going to like all my favorites, which are like not so much hard hitters, but just the ones that pop into my brain. Yeah, what
0: what often comes up for me when I think like that could have been different and here's why is when I notice a trend of like if i've said this like 3 times that like, you need to see this movie and they're like, "Oh, well, isn't that about xyz?"
1: Mm-hmm. I'm
0: like, "You should have hired me to do your marketing cuz people didn't understand." Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cuz people did not understand exactly. the assignment. <laughs> Oh, man, this is a hard one. I don't know. I guess like to think of a, a broad generalization of marketing in horror, something that is a really impactful to humans is, again, going back to the emotions, like going back to the emotions of the main characters. If you think about like, all right, let's use like Texas Chainsaw Massacre for an example. The premise, what you see is like a dude with the chainsaw killing people, hacking up people, right? You don't see the family behind that guy and like what they went through and why he ended up the way that he did. Or you don't see... You know the the final girl, like I'm thinking about Jessica Beale's character in the two thousand three maybe version of, and she ends up being the final girl. You just see her as like some hot chick trying to escape this guy with a chainsaw. You don't see her losing her boyfriend, losing everyone she loves, trying to get like navigate the the physical, mental aspects, emotional aspects of going through what she went through. And I say that, I think about like maybe showing off the emotion of people more, but then at the same time, I think if you were to market the emotion towards things, people wouldn't be as interested in it. Like people aren't drawn, I don't think people are initially drawn to horror because of the emotions of the character behind it. They're more drawn because they like that feeling of being scared and that feeling of not knowing I still feel like I could answer this so much better, but I need like a a movie that I could think of to actually break it down. (laughs) Yeah, let me.
0: So maybe like to offer maybe a prompt. Yes, please do. Let's have a learning lesson here. (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say like the show notes will include like prompt, answer. (laughs) A, a google a google form for submitting your own response i will grade you um yeah maybe well i i noticed this a little bit with the new the nia Dacosta Candyman. okay if you're familiar yeah
1: um so i actually i did not watch that one and there, for no specific reason i just didn't watch it um I'm trying to think of other ones, but like, what do you, what would you say for that? How would you break that down?
0: Yeah, I think there was an expectation a little bit in how the trailer played out that it was going to be a hard reboot or that there would be a little bit of a continuation. What ended up actually happening was like a commentary on gentrification after that urban renewal the the thing that i really harp on for people that haven't seen the 1982 Candyman is that it is a gothic love story at its heart Uh uh-huh and uh, what we actually saw with this one was still a gothic story but more of urban folktale kind of woven in like the power of like oral tradition being woven in and I feel like I'd want to showcase that a little bit because I think it ended up being distracting sometimes to look for like, to look for like continuation pieces when in reality, like we're building this way. It's almost inspiration. Here's the through line of what actually matters within this story. So uh-huh. I think I'd probably pivot a little bit that way with that movie.
1: Mm, I, I have to watch that. That was one movie that like, that was a classic movie that honestly I feel like got swept under the rug a little bit and it was just never something I watched, Um, but I'll have to put that on my list. As you were, um, I like quickly Googled some things just to think about movies. So another movie I recently watched that I really liked that I had no idea the premise of it was the movie Men. Did you see that by Alex Garland?
0: Yeah. It's on my list and I think I'll watch it today now that you're mentioning it. Yes. Yes.
1: You should definitely watch it. I don't want to go into it too much because I don't want to spoil it. That was another movie that I watched that was like, this wasn't so scary, but it was brilliant. I think when it came to the marketing of it, once again, it's a 24 And I feel like they do a good job of like showing you what it's about, but not going in too deep. Um, I think they should have, if I was to go into it, I would talk a little bit more about like the, uh, the woman redemption in it, in the movie. And I think after you watch it, you'll understand what I mean by that. Um, and the, the, Archetypal journey of a woman, I guess, and how we're just constantly, you know, we go through so many things like being gaslit and being run down by men and being questioned and just what you go through as a woman. Um, They did a, a really good job of showing that. Like Jesse Buckley does such a good job of being that the woman that doesn't tolerate it but at the same time doesn't know how to react when it's happening to her. But then there is, I personally feel like there was like a sense of redemption at the end of it. And I think if I was to change anything about the way that they marketed it or whatever, it would be showing that a little bit. It would be showing that journey of, you know, I see a title men and I think it's going to be all about men, and they're going to be like the main premise of it. You go into it and you realize it kind of is, but it also kind of isn't. It's like the relationship dynamic between men and women. Um It was very good. I'm very interested to hear what you think after you watch it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you. Because as someone who hasn't seen it based on the description you gave me, I feel like that is a movie I went out of sat on if I had had that kind of primer for it. Yeah. Because it felt like what the image of the marketing conjured for me is like these, um, the courses I'm spacing, even though we watch like the matrix all the time, like very prototypical white man in suit, like that they're just going to pop up everywhere. I thought there was some kind of allusion to that. Um, and there's like one mega man that's like <laughs> holding the fort, terrorizing this woman. and I-, I thought maybe like maybe it's not about that. I don't know, but considering midsummer is my favorite things of it they've done, that's kind of my conditioning in a way. Yeah. like, oh, cult thing must be happening. Yes. I like cults I'll get to eventually. So that's a very different um setup that I think I. I definitely appreciate, I feel like, um, something that I almost would love. I don't know how this could work in practice, like who would create it. But part of me wishes that like the way that you have like flavor notes of a scent, like when you go on La Labo and it's like, Santal is like earthy, timeless, uh, like the most popular fragrance everybody loves on tell and I'm like oh okay I'd love to smell like everybody uh-huh like things like that i I would almost love that within the horror genre like if we could have a place where we can go and vote like what's the vibe yeah like, Story graph you could do that there too and that could be such a beautiful way of helping demonstrate what the vibe might be without really giving up the ghost, I think would be so helpful because yeah, like you said, like people don't really sign on for, the emotion the person feels. Yeah. Maybe at the end, you'll relate to it and go, I love this movie for that reason. hmm But yeah, like if there could be like a vibe check.
1: Yeah. Or like, section. I think like ingredients, like including like, what are the ingredients of this movie? And it's like tiny little things that are a part of it that make it what it is.
0: Absolutely. Uh, last question here that I ask of everyone. This may be a very easy one for you and I could offer a follow-up um I love asking people what is something that people never ask you about that you desperately wish they would oh. And I feel like horror may be part of that, and I would love for you to offer like a recommendation for like if you are not really a fan or you're like,, eh, what would you offer somebody as a recommendation?
1: I think I wish more people would ask me what's your favorite horror film. <laughs> And why? Because I feel like asking that, I'm just like, blah, 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 this is why, blah, 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 blah. I also feel like if people do bring up that question, it always ends up in such good conversation because there are so many different layers to horror. Um, I think, what was the second part to that question? For the people that are a little bit
0: lukewarm about horror, that, yeah, yeah, what would you recommend to somebody who's lukewarm?
1: Um, take it in doses. There's so many different. Once again, I feel like I'm broken record saying this, but it's true. There's so many different like genres and levels of scary. Take it in doses, and maybe don't force yourself to watch the genre that you don't like. Like maybe true crime isn't your jam. Don't force yourself to watch a movie about true crime. Um, maybe you like to. You know, be on the edge of your seat all the time. Then it's go for a psychological thing. Like I think it's just explore all the different assets and aspects of it. It's not just one thing. And I think, and I want to do a better job of doing this. Go into watching Heart with more of an open mind and like try not to predict what's going to happen. I know that's so much easier said than done. And I remember watching, um, I think it was Them, was that Jordan Peele's uh, Peele's second movie, Them? Oh, Us. Us, us. there was a series Them, Us. I remember sitting down with my sister within the first minute, she's like, this is is what's gonna happen. I was like, dude, F off, like why would you say that? Go into it with an open mind. Don't do your research before. Like, Just watch it and have fun with it. Have fun with it. I think another thing about uh, horror that maybe makes it so comforting to watch, I know for me, is that there's always that little part of my mind that's like, this isn't true. Like, This isn't real. This is fake. I could tap out at any point if I want to.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for that mini framework. And absolutely going in with an open mind is so important. It's something that I think everybody needs to hear, like even us seasoned people, because the more that you consume, the more you are just aware of. Mm -hmm. And we owe it to ourselves to have the best experience possible watching something. So why jump the gun?
1: Totally, totally. Have fun with it. Enjoy the adventure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This has been an amazing hour. I, I so appreciate you. I'm so glad I know you. Same. Um, yeah. Please let the people know how they can find you, what you're up to in the future if you have things going on.
1: Um, well, thank you so much for having me on here. This was so much fun. Like I said to you earlier, it's so fun to like not talk about business and copying content for once, although I like to talk about it. It's really fun to talk about like a passion project I guess you can call it as horror um, where you can find me you can find me on Instagram. I am taking a breather I'm like very inactive on it recently but my handle is at Rosestarco. Um, The best way to stay in touch with me is to join my email community, which is called the Conscious Creators Collective, Um, and I actually just released a new fall freebie called uh, Spellbinding Storytelling 101. So you can grab that, and that just breaks down a very simple yet impactful way of how to tell a story, whether you want to do it for your email or your Instagram or whatever. Um, You can find that on my website, rosestarco.com. Or you can check out my Substack, which is called Checking Out. And it is run ons, ramblings, and rants about being a retired hustle culture elder millennial and kind of like just whatever is going on in my brain. I recently have started working in the hospitality industry and I have some crazy ass entertaining stories to tell so <laughs> i do my best at um telling those stories while respecting the people that are involved in them but it is a trip that is for sure so i think those are the oh and i also have a podcast i have a podcast called stream of Copiness. and that is all about copy content and conversations with other conscious creators um I am wrapping up the first season. That season has a lot to do with copy content and those casual conversations. The second season that's going to be coming out in next year, I'm still not 100% sure, but I picture it to be a lot more uh, casual conversations and hot take topics that are kind of just off the brain, off the riff. So you could listen to that anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's all for today's episode, everyone. If you're listening in an Apple podcast and you like what you heard, please leave a written five-star review. If you're tuning in on other platforms like Spotify, please don't give us a five-star rating. It really helps the podcast. And if you've been listening for a while and you haven't done so already, subscribe. And please do share this episode with even one person that you think would benefit from today's topics on the Violet Vulture Again, you can keep up with me on Instagram at lostsoyemi, my website, soyemi.com, or you can add it to my newsletter. I hope to keep seeing you on the internet. That's all for today, friends. Thank you for tuning in to The Violet Vulture. Bye for now.